that are joining from one of our campuses here in Austin, the 13 correctional facilities here in Austin. It's an honor to be with you. Our online audience, our on-the-beach audience, on the slope, on an airplane, wherever you are, it's an honor to be with you. Celebration Church, can we just say hello to everybody that is joining us today? It's good to see you guys. And again, Central Austin and Liberty Hill Leander are watching live today, and it's just amazing to see what God is doing in our campuses with Lakeway on the way. We're not too far from giving some new news and some new announcements. So if you're making the drive all the way from almost to the border, which we would call Lakeway, we are coming down that way and uh, we are grateful for everything that God is doing in our church. Today we are going to kick off a brand new series that we're calling One Another. And um, when we look at the whole year, we're calling it Strong Christian. So if you will, we really only have one series, but we're going to break this down into episodes. How many watched some Netflix series? You know what I'm talking about, Jack Reacher. And so maybe, maybe you're a binge watcher. How many have a problem stopping watching that series until the whole series is finished? I know, Lori, we've been watching something, and... She knocked out about seven of them the other day. She goes, what, are you not going to watch the last one? I said, I can't take it anymore. And so I went to bed. And um, with that being said, I want you to binge, not on Netflix, but I want you to binge on the Word of God. I want you to make sure that you will give God this year. So as we're talking about becoming a strong Christian, the whole year is about becoming a strong Christian. But This is where we're going to be going for the month of February, and that is the indication that you, or the sign that you are a strong Christian, is in your love for other people. Don't be fooled. In fact, don't don't let yourself be fooled that when somebody says, I'm a strong Christian, and then yet they don't love people. They can say they love God, but if they don't love people, that's not a strong Christian. So we're going to be talking today about marriage. We're going to be talking today, and we're going to be talking to singles in the future. We're going to be talking about all things relationship through the month of February. But today, I want to hit what must be hit, and that is marriage. How many people are married? Let me see your hand. How many would have not come to church today if you knew that we were going to be talking about you would have sent the wife to come to church today? Let me know what he said. We're going to be dealing with marriage, and we're going to be dealing in particular with covenant marriage. Because I do believe that today, I do want to teach some things that I know. Because having been in ministry now for over 35, 36 years, Lori and I, we've been married for 34 years this coming July. Yeah, thank God for Lori, who believes in covenant. The... The reality is is that we see people get married for every reason but covenant. They get married because it's what their friends are doing. They get married because the guy's hot or the girl's hot or they they want legal sex. They just, whatever it might be, want to play house. They want to play whatever that might be. And so there's a lot of romance. There's a lot of romantic notions and feelings. 
And I do believe that God wants us to understand that he, he is the God that gives us these feelings and he does give us emotions. But we also know we live in a fallen world and we live in a fallen body and our emotions and our feelings can be broken. And when you and I miss this point about marriage, there's no such thing as another marriage except a covenant marriage. And I want to talk to you about covenant today. Because I do believe whether you're married or not, or you want to be married or married again, regardless of what you've had happen in your past, regardless of what you've experienced, regardless if you're on whatever marriage you're on, today, I want it to be a new definition. God is not concerned with your yesterday. He's worried. In fact, he's not worried, but he wants you to realize that he's the God of today and he's the God of that day. He's not the God of yesterday. How many are thankful that our yesterdays are finished? It's under the blood. Now God says, okay, today. And I want to talk about today from this day forward. How many know marriage doesn't end all, it begins all? The truth is, when you think, and they were married and they lived what? Happily ever after. It's Netflix. In other words, it doesn't end. It just begins. I want you to look with me. In fact, I want to just start with this particular truth. When it comes to love and when it comes to the reality of loving one another, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, he says this, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow. How? Where? In love. May our God and Father himself and our Lord, first of all, he goes, I'm praying that the Lord directs our way to you. Paul the Apostle is literally living out what God wants us to live out, and that is he wants us to live in community. Paul says, I'm praying that I can come to you. I can be with you. I can hang with you. Guys, if you don't find, even in a large church, there is in a large church, there has to be a community of people that you do life with. What I can promise you in this room, somewhere in our church, will be your best friends for life. There are people in this room who are doing life at the speed that you're doing it. They're doing life in the same season. And you have stories to tell. You have stories to share. You have prayers to pray. And that's why I want to make sure that you are not in a large room by yourself. We do not want you to sit, though you may sit with thousands, but you don't think anybody knows who you are. Paul says, let's pray that we do not stay isolated. He goes, I'm praying that the Lord will direct my way to you. And then he says, and I pray that you would increase and overflow in love for one another. That's our theme for the month of February. And for what? For who? And for all people. Just as we have for you. Just as we've done for you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all the saints. I think when Paul writes this, Paul is writing this not just with the theme of love in mind, not just with the theme of one another in mind. I'm going to tell you how he's thinking. He's thinking covenant. When you read the Bible, the Bible has a primary theme. It's the Old Testament and the New Testament. From Genesis to the book of Revelation, can I tell you what it's about? 
Yes, it is Christ, but listen, it's covenant. So if we have two covenants, what do we have in the Old Testament? That's the Old Covenant. And then we have in Christ what? The New Testament or the New Covenant. But the book and God's mind and God's kingdom and God's heart thinks covenant. He doesn't think in any way else. He doesn't think in the temporary. He doesn't think in leases. He doesn't think in rental thoughts. He thinks in permanence. And covenant only thinks permanently. Covenant only thinks long term. It has no short term thoughts. Covenant says, I'm in this for life. We're going to break this down because you and I, as much as you may think that that sounds restrictive, it's actually, it leads you to freedom. Because if I don't have the understanding of covenant, if I don't understand, first of all, biblical covenant and what covenant means and what covenant expresses, and if I'm not linked to covenant understanding because God is a God of covenant, you're going to wake up and not wonder if you want to be married. It, it, it's, not, it's not if you're going to have those days. You're going to have those days. I don't even know if I want to be married anymore. I don't even know if I am. I don't feel. Have you ever woken up not feeling married? You ever woken up, though, you've been married? It's like, does she love me? Does she care for me? In fact, I'm curious. How many have been married for longer than 50 years? Let me see. How many do we have that have been married for longer than 50 years? Yeah. Awesome. In our first service at 8.30, we had so many that were married for 50 years. I think that's what happens. The longer you live, the earlier you get up. You just can't sleep anymore. Maybe they should be the ones talking about the reality of what it takes to live for 50 years together. It is, at times, complicated. But covenant cuts through the complicated. See, you may say, well, I have feelings and emotions that are not being met. But what overrides all your feelings and your emotions is covenant. In other words, you don't live to your feelings and your emotions. You live to covenant. Let me ask you a question. Do you always give back to God what God wants you to be? Do you always give back to God the praise, the honor? Do you always give back to God the thanks that is due to His name? I think we would all agree. No, we don't. But does that stop His covenant? Does that stop His mind towards you? His will towards you? His thoughts towards you? No. Covenant says, I am not going to think any other thoughts, but for the rest of your eternity. And that's what covenant does. Covenant keeps us from running from us. Covenant keeps us from running away. Because if I was left to my own, own emotions and own feelings, if Lori loved me based on how I respond or how I perform, guess what? We're all going to have those days thinking, well, I guess it's over. Covenant says it's never over. How many are thankful that when you're in your weakness, God has made a covenant with you because you've acknowledged that Christ was cut for you? See, the word covenant means to cut, to shed blood by the cutting of skin and the shedding of blood. So when God made covenants in the Old Testament, there was a 
cutting. They would sacrifice an animal. They would sacrifice. They would dedicate themselves one to another or to God by the sacrifice offered to God. And it took the shedding of blood. But in the New Testament, how many are thankful that God shed His blood for us? He was cut to make covenant with us. You are saved because God in His heart and in His love and in His mercy came down to make a new covenant of love, how was that enacted or how was that initiated? How was that made? By the cross of Christ. Because you and I could not be in covenant relationship to God, except God made the covenant. And when you and I understand that when Paul writes to the Thessalonica, in Thessalonica, he is writing to these Thessalonians who he wants to think in terms of covenant because he says, guys, I don't want you to just love, love one another and love all people. But then he goes, but it's going to have an effect. It's why God is coming back. Because when the Lord comes again, I'm going to tell you who he's coming back for. People who live and think covenant. In other words, it's those that understand that they have been in a covenant, permanent relationship to God. And so there is this connection to why the Lord is going to return. Why is God coming back? Yeah, we could talk about He's coming back to judge. Some of you are like, I will be happy. Yes, judgment, judgment. Yeah, He's coming back. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats. We we can go through all that. I'm going to tell you why He's really coming back for. He's coming back for a bride. He's coming back for a bride that has had a covenant with Him, who has prepared herself, who has made herself ready who has realized that she or we as the bride of Christ are and are, will forever be his treasure. And that has been a mark on your life, whether you're beautiful or not, whether you have six packs or not. How many know what you married often changes along the way? It can be difficult. It can be complicated. It's sort of like when it comes to marriage. It's like this guy, and I've told the story before, a true story, I believe. He was living in Chicago, and he just got tired of the cold weather, got tired of the snow. Many of you are from the Chicago Midwest area. So he just needed to get away to Miami. He needed some heat. He needed some sun. And his wife was on a trip, and he wanted to surprise his wife while she was on a business trip. He wanted to write to her that he was going to meet her. He's already paid for a ticket for her to go to Miami, to not go back to Chicago, but go straight to Miami. And they're going to meet in, in Miami and just have a great getaway. They're going to feel some heat, feel that sun, get a little Miami Cuban food in them. And so when he began to write the email, he didn't realize that he had the wrong email address. So he sent this email, this inadvertent email, to his little old pastor's wife in Iowa whose husband had died the day before. And so this is what happened. She walks in. She looks at the computer. And, of course, this woman whose pastor's husband or wife who had died the day before, she reads this email and she passes out. Her children come and they see this on the screen And this is what it says, the first line, My dearest darling, I cannot wait to spend time with you 
in Miami, but or I can't wait to spend some time with you. I have arrived here safely. Now, he just died the day before. The second thing that she reads and they read is looking forward to you joining me here tomorrow. Signed, your loving husband. P.S. It is sure hot down here. <laughs> How many know you got to know what you're saying? How do, you know, how do you know what you're saying? Sometimes you think you're saying the right thing and you're literally making a bigger mess than you've ever known. Somebody says that marriage is like a three-ring circus. There's the engagement ring, there's a wedding ring, and then there's suffering. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it is hard. And that's why you need to understand covenant. That's why you need to understand how covenant works because God is coming back for a church that is a covenant church. He's coming back for a people that is in covenant with him. He's coming back for a people who are not just people who have it legally down, who know the doctrines, know the truths. You can say all of the correct doctrine. You can say all of the correct truth. You can say all of the correct ideology, all of the biblical statements that would say to you, that you're saved or that you know God, but the reality is this is not a legal contract when it comes to relationship to Christ. It is a covenant of love. It is what God, I believe, signals to us is the sign that we are truly strong Christians and becoming stronger, and that is that we love not just God, but we love people, and it begins with marriage. Marriage is the building block of society. We can only see a change in our society when we see a change in our homes. And the only way a home will ever be changed is when the marriage is changed. And we've got to walk in this understanding of covenant marriage. It's why Christ came to make covenant. He started covenant. The covenant in His blood. This is when he talks about a communion table. We quote it. This is the cup of the new covenant. It's a covenant of love. Oh, how I wish, how I desire to have this with you. He came to create it. He came to make it. And it's why he's coming back. It's why he's coming again. We are his bride. We are that bride of covenant. We are the wife as believers of Christ, as a part of the body of Christ. The Bible says it is in the book of Malachi, a wife of covenant. Not a wife of convenience. Not a wife or not a husband of convenience, but of covenant. And when we understand that marriage is covenant, we understand that marriage is not magic. It's not magical. That's Disney World. And it's very expensive. It's not something that just is ready-made. You don't marry a, if you will, a ripe fruit or a tree that is ripe for fruit that is something that you make. It's something that it becomes over time. Yes, you can go into the beginning of that marriage with all of these feelings that you think it's ripe and it's sweet and I love them. Let's see what you look like 50 years from now. Ah, I hate this man. Well, what happened to 50 years ago? I thought I loved him. 
And what happens without covenant? You fall out of love. See, covenant's permanent. You're going to hear this over and over and over. Because how many are thankful that God doesn't love you because of your performance? He doesn't love you because of your strength. He doesn't love you because you're good. He doesn't love you because you're correct. He doesn't love you because you're handsome or pretty or that you're this or you're that. How many are knowing that God loves you because he has to love you? Because he died for you. And without his love, you have no hope. Without his love, you have no eternity. Without the decision or the deciding factor of God. And God now says, this is exactly why I want marriage. To express covenant. To express what it looks like. We'll look at that in just a moment when Paul the Apostle writes this in the book of Ephesians. He talks about the wives and he talks about the husbands. And then he comes down to the end of the end of chapter 5. And he goes, I'm not talking about just as it relates to wives and husbands. I'm talking about Christ and the church. It's a mystery. And so we need to understand that marriage is all about revealing truth. See, you think you're marrying that guy You think you know that guy. You think you know that girl. How many know you date the man, but you marry the boy? See, the reality is dating is when you're at your best. (laughs) You smell good. You brush your teeth. You change your clothes. Comb your hair. You keep the car clean. You keep your house clean. And then you get married. And she's like, could I get you to brush your teeth a little bit? Can you change? Would you just take a shower every now and then for me? What happened to you? But see, this is what marriage does. Marriage is not just the end. It's the beginning. What is it the beginning of? It's the beginning, watch this, of true love. How many thought you had a true love in high school? Let me see your stupid hand. Put it up right now. <laughs> How many thought you knew your true love? And then you found them on Facebook. Facebook is a way to connect to people that you shouldn't be connected to. That's what Facebook is all about. People that you left a long time ago. You don't know true love until you're in marriage. See, everybody else is just in that dating. Everybody else is just showing off. You're still selling yourself. How many know in marriage? That stops. That often stops. Now the real love. Now the real affection, now the real romance starts to come. It's the expression of true intimacy. It's true intimacy. Because now the, in marriage, the reality of who you really are begins to come out. This is why it has to be permanent. Why? So we can be intimate. i got to know if I show my real self, you're not going to leave me. i got to know that when my true self comes out, because I'm still in production. I'm still under construction. I'm still being conformed into the likeness and the image of God. How many know we're all under construction? I need to know that when you see that mess, you don't leave this mess. But if you're dating or if you're just living with somebody, guess what? You just turn it back in at 12 months or 36,000 miles, whichever comes first. It's called a lease. The greatest detriment to marriage is when you go in with a leasehold mentality, a renter's mentality. 
or you go in with an escape clause, or you go in with a clause. Now, I know that Christ said some things about the word pornea when it comes to the clause that allows for people to separate and to divorce. But, but, but the reality, if you really even go a little bit deeper than that, they're still with God's covenant. He doesn't want us to think that way. There may be a time for separation, but he does not want us to play the divorce card. He does not want us to play the lease card. He wants us to play the permanent card. That's covenant. How can you say you're a covenant believer? How can you say that you're a covenant-keeping Christian and not keep covenant with people? So when God says the sign that you are truly a believer is not if you just say that I'm your son or, or I'm your Lord, I'm your Savior, you're my son, you're my daughter. It's how does that come out in relationships? How does that come out when people's imperfections are shown? Does a mistake mean that you made a wrong decision? Covenant says no. Does an argument say it's all over? Does a failure, does a, does a wrong purchase, does a lie say that you can now walk out? Covenant says no. Because what is in marriage is the beginning of what I call true discipline. And it's not just the discipline that's applied to the other party that needs discipline. Guess what? How many know it takes discipline to forgive? It's awful quiet in this Mormon church this morning. It takes discipline to forgive. It takes discipline to make up your mind. I am going to love you. I want to kill you, but I am going to love you. I said to my mom, who'd been married to my dad for 36 years, I said, would you marry him again? And I can't say what my mom said because it's my mom. I said, well, would you marry him again? She goes, no, but what I would like to do is raise him from the dead and then kill him. I would like to do that. The reality is, is that it is marriage and it is covenant marriage that is the beginning of true responsibility. See, how many know you have a responsibility? When you go to marriage, when you go and make those marriage vows, when you say you want to be married, understand something. It's not yours. It's God's. Marriage is not the idea of the government. Marriage is not the idea of our community, our society, our world. Marriage is not the concept of man. It's a concept. It's the idea of God. Marriage belongs to the kingdom. So when you go into marriage, you're going into kingdom. And if you don't walk by kingdom rule and kingdom understanding and kingdom truth, your marriage is going to have constant friction in it. Or your marriage will not last because you're trying to do it your way and not God's way. Some of you are thinking, I would have never gotten married if I'd have known that. I pray that no one gets married except knowing this reality. And I pray that wherever your marriage is today, that it gets better knowing these principles. Because this is what marriage does. It brings true discipline, true responsibility. When my brother got married at the age of 20, my father was coaching in the NFL at the time. When my brother came home from college and said, I'm going to get married, he was 20 years old. He was a sophomore in college, and Gail was a sophomore as well. And my dad said, from this moment on, you're on your own. Your wife is not my responsibility. Your marriage is not my responsibility. 
Your bills are not my responsibility. They're yours. And my brother will tell you the stories of living on food stamps for many years. They've been married for 54 years. Because they took responsibility for their marriage. Marriage is the beginning of true selflessness. See, this is what covenant does. It brings out the selfishness in all of us. Because we're no longer in that dating process. We're no longer selling ourselves. We're the real selves. And that's why covenant is necessary. Because if we don't have covenant, guess what? We'll want to quit. We'll want to walk out. Because we've seen a side that we didn't think we'd see. We heard a word we didn't think we would hear. We saw a purchase in the, in the closet we never knew was there. How many of you have woken up to some Amazon purchases at the front door? I just walk out and I look at the I just look for the Amazon packages out on the front. And Lori goes, Joe, you bought something else. But here's the other thing. Marriage is the beginning of true freedom. See, it's not bondage, it's freedom. It actually sets me free from myself. How many know yourself? How many know that the real self in you needs government? It needs order. It needs authority. That's what marriage is. It's not bondage. It's for your freedom. Yes, it is for reproduction. Yes, it is for joy. Yes, it is for the generations. But more than anything else, through the permanence of marriage, it has a way to take our flesh and our soul and our emotions that that we often live by, and we live by what we see on Instagram, we live by what we see on social, and then what does it do? It converts it into truth. Because you can say you're this, and you can say your marriage is that, but when it hits truth, when it hits reality, when it hits life, you're going to find out what kind of marriage you have. Do you have a temporary marriage? Do you have a live-in marriage? Or do you have a covenant marriage? When Lori and I, in our second year of marriage, 34 years this coming July, but in our second year, Lori wakes up, we wake up to go to a crafts fair, and she discovers a lump on her neck. We've only been married two years, seven months pregnant. Life is good. And Lori would discover that she had Hodgkin's disease. And it would start years of treatment. Lori would go down in her strength, down in her body because of the multiple radiation treatments. I didn't marry this girl. I didn't marry a sick Lori. I married a healthy Lori. I married a Lori with hair as her hair began to fall out of her head. I didn't marry uh, Lori that could barely walk in her radiation treatment. But I did understand covenant. And covenant says whether they can perform, whether they have hair, whether they have a body, you are there to the end. That is responsibility. We have, we have a world, we have a church. It says, when I don't like it, I can go. When I don't like it, I can quit. When you and I don't like it, given to ourselves. Listen, without the government, if if you will, of the kingdom of God, it's a kingdom. 
you and I are going to be given to, watch this, our slavery and our bondages and to our own wills, which will only bring you death. But when you keep the will of God, when you're in the will of God, which is keeping your vows and keeping your promises and keeping your word and keeping your covenant, it sets you free. Is it easy? No. Do you always feel like it? No. But you realize that now you're not just in some kind of hallow, shallow how movie script, but that because of the permanence, there's no longer the masquerade and the mask and the makeup and the man-centeredness. And the, now it's about the other-centeredness. It's that permanence of marriage that says what? That because I am permanently in covenant with you, I have to overlook your fault. I have to now no longer keep record of your wrongs. Doesn't that say in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love does not what? Keep record yeah, but if you say this, I'll do this. If you buy this, I'll buy that. If you do this, I'm... See, this is where most people live. We have a score sheet. And we have checks and minuses and plus. And we, have a score, and we keep score. And people live daily in this kind of ministry or this kind of marriage. And guess what? The kids are watching it. And they're thinking, if that's marriage, I don't want anything to do with it. What does the Bible say in the last days? The society will be filled with covenant breakers. People won't be covenant keepers. They will be quick to break covenant, quick to become disloyal. How many believe we need more loyal people? We need to have more loyal relationships. We, we, we got a country that's disloyal to laws. And so all that to say, I want to give you what is the original intention of God in Genesis chapter 2. I got one minute and 34 seconds. Here we go. The Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make him a helper. Suitable. I'm going to make someone that's going to compliment him. Come alongside him. So out of the ground, the Lord made the animals. Watch this. But out of the rib, he made a woman. How many know when he made man, he made man out of dirt? The same dirt that he made animals, he made man. But when it came to a woman, the Bible says he fashioned the woman. Literally, he meant, I put curves on this girl. But let's go back to that beginning. He says, the Lord formed every animal of the field and every bird of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And he named all of these creatures. The man gave names to the livestock and to the birds. And he was showing them how to have dominion. He was showing them how to exercise God-given authority. But for Adam, in all of this authority, in all of this exercise of power, in all of this life that God had given to Adam, the Bible says it, there wasn't anybody around to share it with. So the Lord then put Adam into a deep coma, gave him a shot of tequila, and the Bible says he caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. No, he didn't. And he slept. And then he took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh at that place. And then he fashioned into woman the rib which he had taken from the man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this looks like a piece of my bone that just came out of my rib. That's bone of my bone. You got my bones. And flesh of my flesh, she shall be called, whoa, man. That's awesome. Because she was taken out of man. Now watch this. For this reason. A man shall leave his father and his mother 
and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, but they were not ashamed. Paul would later in Ephesians chapter 5 speak of the same mystery. He says when it comes down to what husbands and wives are to do, they are to leave their fathers and their mothers and be joined to his wife and husband, and the two shall become one flesh. And this mystery is not really about what I'm talking about in husbands and wives, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, as for you individually, each husband is to love his own wife the same as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. In other words, when we pray for this world to hear the gospel, how many pray for the world and for people to know the good news of God? Let me see your hand all over here. Christ says the gospel is no greater preached than through a marriage, a covenant marriage. The gospel is going forth from you. What kind of gospel is it? So I close with this. you got to have, and this is what we all got to have as we leave here today, as we begin this whole series of marriage. you got to have the God mindset. God saw Adam was alone. Adam didn't say, hey, I need a wife. No, God said you need a wife. God is the one who came up with it. We've already talked about that. Number two, it's a permanent mindset. It's a permanent. When you go into marriage, this is not for convenience. This is forever. Thirdly, it's an all-in mindset. He says that man, that woman, they leave father and mother and they cleave one to another. It's all in. There's no one else, which means the fourth one, it's a priority mindset. A God mindset, permanent mindset, an all-in mindset. Priority mindset just simply means leaving father and mother. In other words, there's no other relationships that are going to come into conflict with the priority relationship. It's a first relationship. And it has to be guarded. How many, when you got married, you got the, you got a mom called an in-law or a father called an in-law. My mother, when she was at the end of her life, she said, Joe, and I was spending days with her in the nursing home. I'd go almost every day that I could if I was in town. And she goes, Joseph, and I get it. She was a nursing home. She goes, Joseph, you're not spending enough time with me. I said, Mom, I've been up here every day. In fact, I've probably been here as much as I've been at home. If I haven't been traveling, I'm here. She goes, yeah, but you got to remember, I'm your mother, and I must come first. And I went, Mom, I know you hate this nursing home, and I would too. I said, but the reality is you're not first. From July the 7th, 1990, you had to take a different seat. Lori became first. And I had to say that even in a very difficult place. This was not a place that she wanted to be in. She was struggling in her last days. But I had to say, Mom, the priority relationship is my marriage. I think she wanted me to move in and sleep next to her in the nursing home. And I don't blame her. I would too. It's not how you want to go out. But you're going to have to set the priority Which means you cannot share your husband, your wife, with the boys and with the girls. Listen. Everything has to be filtered through the priority of relationship. Another one is the reality mindset. They were naked. It's reality. It's all of a sudden reality hitting you. This 
this world hits you. That it's not going to be social. It's not going to be Instagram. It's not going to be Insta. It's not going to be something that just pops up. It's something that you have to walk through. It's something that you have to pay a price for. And then lastly, it's a trust mindset. The thought that I have there is that it's this thought. They were naked, but they were not what? They didn't laugh at each other. <laughs> That's how I, it's like, <laughs> my God, oh my God. I didn't, I didn't realize you were in spandex. No, I, the reality is they can see everything about us and we trust them that we're not going to be laughed at. That we're not going to be forsaken. That we're not going to be left alone. See, this is what marriage does. And I know some of you are thinking, wow, I don't want to be married and I've been married for 22 years now. No. Don't have that mindset. Have this mindset. That Christ ultimately says the greatest picture of my love to you is displayed in covenant love. Just for a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, I want to talk to you about, first of all, those that are married. The truth is that we're all called to submit to one another. Yes, we all have roles and unique roles, and we all have unique positions as husbands and wives. God has an order. But the truth is we're all called to serve each other. We're all called to honor one another. We're all called to love. And he's coming back for a covenant people. How many want your marriage to reflect covenant marriage according to the scriptures? Let me see your hand all over this place. In fact, if your husband or wife is with you, would you grab their hand? Make sure it's your husband. Make sure it's your wife. From this day. Can we just say this? From this day. By God's grace. Our marriage is because of God's covenant that he has with us. We are responsible for this marriage to reflect God's glory and God's grace. If you're single here today, maybe you're believing God for us. I pray that you'll never forget this message. If they struggle with this, let me just tell you something. You're going to struggle in your marriage. Covenant brings covering. Covering brings blessing. God wants you to be blessed. The second group, the second is this. How many of you would say, Pastor Joe, I know all the legalese about Christianity. In fact, I've read the Bible. I know the scriptures. I've been in Sunday school. I've been to church. But you don't know the love of God. You know the legality of God. He's not coming back for people that understand just doctrine and theory and theological terms, which are necessary and true. But listen, if you don't love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body, the Bible says you're not in covenant with Him. How many of you want a true loving relationship? You want to be truly in love with God. In fact, today you hear the God who died for you, calling you to love him with all your heart. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand right now? Maybe you walked in here today lost. You know how you found? You love God. Because while you were blind, he caused you to see. While you were lost, he caused you to be found. He loved you first before you loved him. I'm going to ask for our pastors to come and close in a time of prayer. 
We love you guys. God bless you. Can we all stand to our feet? I want to pray for you. How many know that if we don't have foundation, we don't have a home? How many know if you don't have right foundations, you're not going to have a right future? Your future is conditional. You can pray all you want. God bless me. God says, I will, but you better have right foundations. And that's not magic. That requires a decision that says, Lord, as for me and my house, I'm going to build this on the rock of foundation. So today I want to pray for all of us today, for our marriages, but for those that are receiving Christ maybe today, can we say this out loud? Lord Jesus, you are the God of covenant. You came to me when I could not come to you. You're coming back for me. And Lord, because of that, I want to be ready. I ask you to cleanse me, to wash me, to make me new. I want to be blameless. Lord, I want to be ready as a bride prepares herself. Lord, I want to be that man, that woman. Say that. I want to be that vessel that longs for your appearing because I love you. Lord, I thank you that you died for me to give me eternal life. I have covenant because of the cross of Christ. And it is forever and ever. I believe I'm saved in the name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, come on, let's give the Lord a clap of praise in this place today.